0: Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all-natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. I'm so happy to be with you. What a show today. We're going to talk about uh, vaccines, amongst other things. Kind of controversial to some people. So, I just want to make sure that uh, you are aware that that is what's happening today. We're going to be talking in the second hour with Polly Tommy, as well as Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, who I have both been involved in the movie Vaxed. First of all, this is indeed Gesundheit with Jacobus, my name, Jacobus Hollowein, this week. We're going to be talking about, amongst other things, a continuation of last week's, where we talked about medical mistakes. We also talked about the healthcare bill. And what you would do to put in the healthcare bill in the first hour. But second hour, uh, if everything goes well, the two ladies are on the Vaxed bus tour in Helena currently. Then they'll go to Idaho Falls. And they will be in Bozeman uh, next week, Friday. And there will be two stops in Bozeman. And we'll talk about it as we go. Now, we talk about health healing and healthy lifestyles. We have the experts on, let them talk about what they do for a living research they have done, books they've written, or just what they're passionate about. And that really involves the field of Western medicine as well as alternative medicine. I don't have all the solutions, but I do know one thing. And that is that if you want to change anything in your life today, anything, anything, you can start today. And you will notice a difference if you stick with the program, whatever the program is. So for some people, it is simply um, starting to walk, starting to stand, find balance, um, for other people, it could be um, training for a marathon, uh, you know, working working very hard to get everything done and taking care of what you need to do to race. Some people simply want to still stay mobile and healthy, build some muscle. Other people are working towards excel- excelling and competitiveness. Anyway, uh, it is nice to be with you. I hope you are doing well. So, you know, funny thing is Wednesday, I got to tell you this, Wednesday, I get a telephone call right at the store closing at six o'clock, and I see a number I don't recognize, but it says, Helena. So I thought oh, maybe a customer calling, and so I answer the phone, and it is the voice of Senator Steve Daines, and he says, you are invited to join me for a teleconference that will start very soon. And stay on the line, there will be some music, and then we'll join each other live. Something to that effect. And I said, well, oh, interesting. And it was about the uh, the announced health care bill, which, by the way, has been postponed in its voting till July, sometime in this month, three weeks, two, th- two three weeks from now. So we'll see what happens with that. But I listened to that whole hour, and um, uh, there were some interesting questions there was some bantering, uh, in my opinion, people just not really not very clear what they wanted to say. Some people's sounds were not very good. But it was done. And Senator Dane said that he, in his in his numbers, I don't know where he got the numbers, but he said forty thousand people had tuned in. So maybe some of you who are listening today had uh, a chance to hear this uh, teleconference about the health bill with uh, Senator Steve Dane's. And so at the end, it was kind of funny because it said, if you stay on the line, Senator Deans said, if you stay on the line, you get an opportunity to leave me a message if you weren't able to get a question or a comment in today. So feel free to stay on the line. So I stay on the line. I go like, well, I, I kind of want to talk to him and uh, say a couple of things that I really think he needs to consider in this healthcare bill. And. I wait, and all of a sudden it says, please leave your message after the tone for Senator Danes." And so you hear like beep, and I start talking. I said, uh, good evening, Senator Danes. This is Jacobus Holloway and Bozeman. I own the Gesundheit Nutrition Center. Beep, and it was the end of it. They cut me off. I didn't even have a chance to say anything else. So either that uh, when uh, my voice came on, was an automatic message to the machine that says "Stop, stop the tape." I don't know. In any case, it was kind of funny. I couldn't leave a message. Uh, he hasn't called me back yet either, so I don't know if that is going to happen. But um, you know, there is definitely things that I that are concerning me, and and I talked about it last week. And one of them is that there is no solution for a pure a, a pure health. Plan. It's just all based on sick care, and I think if you call it a sick bill, then people will go like, "Well, that's not really a bill. That sounds very it doesn't have a nice ring. Uh, you know, it doesn't have a ring to it." But at the same time, there is nothing in that bill that is really about making us healthy, keeping us healthy. the the in, the special interest in this healthcare bill are all about some people who are going to make a boatload of money. And I, I feel there is an issue. Now, all the way at the end of the conversation, there was a lady in Helena who actually said, and he noted it, he said, that is a great comment and I will definitely bring that up. And the comment was, why don't, doesn't the government give us a chance to expand on our health savings account uh, and have that as a tax-free investment for ourselves? And then not being penalized for not buying the insurance. So that was interesting because all of a sudden it could change the way when you're talking about so many people are not insured. There is a possibility that a lot of people will not be insured because they would rather buy their own insurance through the health savings account and try to stay healthy as well as they can because you can transfer that money on to the next uh, to the next um, year, right? It's, it it it's accumulates. So that was an interesting uh, comment that I felt was uh, going on and, um, and kind of funny. A funny ending at the end with, that I couldn't leave a message, which was, uh, in my opinion, shameful. I mean, everything went technically so well, I just couldn't believe that uh, this is what happened. So anyway, to continue with some of the things that we discussed last week. Uh, by the way, if um, we're saying things today that may sound like we're curing, or diagnosing, or treating, then that is purely a mistake. The purpose of the show is education, information, and of course, some entertainment as well. And you are always very much invited to, uh, to see somebody of your choice and get the best information you can possibly get. Always keep in mind, though, that you're in charge. You are in charge of your own life. You are in charge of your own mind, you are in charge of your own emotions, and you can't blame anybody else. And that's not always easy, especially, well, not especially, it, it depends whatever, whatever your challenge is, but it is definitely an issue that has come up and uh, that is a problem. Now, we were talking actually last week for a moment about the health grades, and it is easy, of course, to kick Bozeman Health. And say, this is something that, uh, you know, you guys are not doing as well as you think you are and as you're advertising you are. But at the same time, you cannot have such a presence in a community and employ so many people and be connected with so many organizations and groups and always have your name broadly mentioned if you don't hit the grade. And what is this grade thing? So there is a... um, it's, it's called Leapfrog Hospital Safety Grade. He, leapfrog Hospital Safety Grade. Leapfrog Hospital Safety Grades, formerly known as Hospital Safety Scores, are assigned to more than 2,600 general acute care hospitals across the nation twice annually. The safety grade is becoming the gold standard measure of patient safety, which was cited at, uh, in MSNBC, the New York Times, and the AARP magazine. The LeapFrog Hospital Safety Grade uses national performance measures from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the LeapFrog Hospital Survey, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, well, they don't have a perfect record, and the American Hospital Association's Annual Survey and Health Information Technology Supplement. So it's a mouthful, but obviously there's a bunch of people behind this. Taken together, those performances measures Those performance measures produce a single-letter grade representing a hospital's overall performance in keeping patients safe from preventable harm and medical errors. The safety grades include 30 measures, all currently in use by national measurements and reporting programs. The LeapFrog Hospital safety grade methodology methodology has been peer-reviewed and published in the Journal of Patient Safety. It works under the the guidance of the seven-member Blue Ribbon Expert Panel to select appropriate measures and develop a scoring methodology. And so there's a meetup of people around the country. Um, The LeapFrog Hospital Safety Grade places each measure into one or two domains, process and structural measures and outcome measures, each accounting for 50% of the overall score. A process measures represents how often a hospital So process measures represent how often a hospital gives patients recommended treatment for a given medical condition or procedure. For example, responsiveness of hospital staff, quote-unquote, looks at patients' feedback on how long it takes for a staff member to respond when they request help. Structural measures represent the environment in which patients receive care. For example, doctors order medication through a computer Quote unquote, represents whether a hospital uses a special computerized system to prevent errors when prescribing medications. Then the thing is outcome measures. Outcome measures represents what happens to a patient while receiving care. For example, quote-unquote, dangerous object left in patient's body, unquote, measures how many times a patient undergoing surgery had a dangerous foreign object like a sponge or a tool left in his or her body. You know, it's one thing to have a sponge or a tool, but somebody's cell phone, that just really ticks me off. Well, a hospital must have enough safety data available for our experts to issue them a letter grade. Hospitals missing more than nine process measures or more than five outcome measures are not graded. All hospitals are encouraged to voluntarily report additional safety data through the LeapFrog Hospital Survey, but they are not required to do so to receive a safety grade. Some hospitals belong to health systems that report data to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services as a single entity with a shared quote-unquote Medicare provider number. This means that individual hospitals within these systems will be graded using the same aggregate data. At this time, we are unable to assign a grade to military or VA hospitals, critical access hospitals, specialty hospitals, children's hospitals, outpatient surgery centers, etc. Our experts are studying ways to rate them in the future. So anyway, this was kind of an introduction to what these people do, and then I looked up Bozeman Health Deaconess Hospital, and it said that in spring 2017, they received a D grade. Also, in the fall of 2016, they received a D grade. In the spring of 16, they had a B grade. And so then the fall of 2015, that is a year and a half ago, they had a C grade. And all of a sudden, we see in spring 2015 and fall 2014, they had an A grade. So that is really something, how this bounces around. So you wonder, what is going on? And so when you look at some of these things, such as uh, dangerous objects left in patient's body, uh, the hospital scored 0.27 where the worst performing is 0.386. So 0.27 versus 0.386. Now the average the average performing hospital had 0.025. So in this case, the Bolman deaconess is 11 times more dangerous than what the average grade is, in my opinion. Uh, 0.27, 0.25 times 11 is 275. So that is, uh, so if you are living in this area and you are maybe missing something, uh, just knock on your body, see if it rattles. you know That would be one thing. And uh, you could also ask the doctor if he maybe wants to shake you up and down to see if something comes out. But uh, that would, but you've got to be careful because it doesn't call about object. It says dangerous object left in patient's body. That is important to know. Now, uh, patient falls, <clears throat> we are actually good, good on that one. Infections, we're good. Infection in the urinary tract during ICU staff, mm, a little over average. Surgical site infection after a colon surgery, we are mm, below average. Very good, gastroenterology, surgical site infection after a colon surgery. MRSA infection, it says Boseman was not available. So either they didn't report or it doesn't happen. But uh, the worst performing hospital had was 3.9. So that's pretty bad, in my opinion, 3.9. And that is, uh, the, the, the average is 0.8. So that was three times higher. MRSA infection, not available. Um, C. diff infection, not good, not good. About half of where we should be. Uh, where the worst is almost four. Excuse me, the worst is two and a half. We are at 1.25, so half of that. And the average performing hospital was 0.8. C. diff infection, one of the more common infections people can acquire when laying in a hospital bed or visiting the hospital. Um, Death from treatable serious complications. Death from treatable serious complications. Uh, The hospital score was 130.9. The worst was 184, and the average was 136, so we're actually slightly below average. So obviously, you, well, as you listen to it, we're not doing so bad, but there was definitely a few things where we were way off the mark, and let's see if I can find it. Staff working together to prevent errors. Staff working together to prevent errors. Now, the worst-performing hospital had zero. Nobody works together. The average performing was eighteen point five four, average, but Bosman was thirteen point eight five. So that apparently is is now nah, it's not too bad actually, It's not too bad. It's interesting how they come up with these numbers, and I and I feel that and I don't know what Bosman Deakin does with this. I do know and simply from and I don't think I'm the only one, but people. Are saying that at times Bozeman Deaconess doesn't want to deal with certain patients, they rather send them to Billings. I hear people who have a wonderful experience. I have had experience in Bozeman Deaconess and it was perfect. I really enjoyed my stay. Oh, well, enjoyed. I mean, I was happy I was there. I was happy with the communication with the doctors. I was happy with the follow up. But at the same, in the same way, I have heard of people who have had horrible experiences uh, there. They didn't like the nurses, they didn't like the treatment. Uh, they came out worse than when they went in and, and um, you know so for me, it is understandable that all of a sudden the, the grade is fluctuating for a um, you know for us at this point at Bozeman Deaconess over here in this area. So it is important that you stay healthy, that you don't have to use a hospital, in my opinion. There is an, uh, another interesting website It's called Patient safetyamerica.com patient safety Patientsafetyamerica.com. and and I, a part of what i'm talking about here folks is we're going to move into the next hour where we're going to talk about the uh, movie vaxed vaxed involving the two ladies who are going to be on the phone with me at this point they are in helena they'll be in Bozeman next week friday Polly Tommy and Dr. Suzanne Humphreys. and The issue is that there are organizations in place in the healthcare who are seriously involved in making people better. Absolute passion, absolute perfect training, having the best in mind to make it all work. But at the same time, they're working in a system that is not conducive to actually let them be the best they can be. And I think that with all the computers, it sounds great that everything is recorded and quickly available, but something is amiss when it comes to simply connecting with people who are sick, who are in the hospital. And I think that there are people walking around in the medical field today who have gone in with a certain passion and who have lost that passion because everything has so become so mechanical and it rubs off on the patient. And I wonder if some of it is a trial something, that we're trying something to see how it works. But it is not conducive for our overall health. Stay tuned. We will be right back. So Patient Safety America is an organization. The site was created to provide information to patients or potential patients who are concerned about the quality of health care they receive in this country. We have no affiliation with any physician or hospitals. We are patients looking after each other in a healthcare system that could easily harm us. There are three levels on which you can begin to protect yourself. So the website is patientsafetyamerica.com. Patientsafetyamerica.com. Number one, be a wise consumer of healthcare. Demand quality, cost-effective care for yourself and those you love. Two. Participate in patient safety leadership through boards, panels, and commissions that implement policy and laws. And three, sponsor and work uh, for laws and work for laws that favor safer care, transparency, and accountability. The ultimate goal of patient safety America is a national enforced patient bill of rights, not too different from the rights workers have from the rights that workers have to protect them from unsafe working conditions. Or minorities have to protect them from exploitation by the majority. Why you must become involved. Why you must become involved. And uh, you can click on the truth about healthcare. U.S. healthcare can be dangerous. In 2010, the Office of the Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services estimated that the number of Medicare patients that die from adverse events during hospitalization was 180,000 per year. This is the number of Medicare patients that die from adverse events. So it is not that you go to the hospital and you die. In the care, you have adverse events, allowing for various factors, such as the cause of adverse events, the total number of Americans hospitalized each year, the clear evidence of omission of evidence of medical errors from medical records, and the facts that diagnostic errors could not be detected by the methods used by the the Office of Inspector General, the total number of Americans dying prematurely from medical errors was about 400,000 per year. This does not include death from medical errors involving outpatients. A study published in the New England Journal found that patient safety did not improve from January two thousand two through December two thousand seven, despite concerted efforts in North Carolina, where the study was conducted using records from hospital representatives of the entire U.S., see this. This was actually a an issue that I wanted to bring up to Senator Steve Daines. I wanted to tell him that Johns Hopkins University did research and found out that two hundred fifty one thousand people die every year for medical mistakes in this country and why are we therefore putting a healthcare bill together that is built on the platform of western medicine to me it makes absolutely no sense it is a trap and it's not what is good for the american people and politicians have this saying We feel the American people deserve better. Well, and then you sit there and you go like, yeah, well, I guess he's talking about me. But that is not really their interest. They're involved in so many different meetings and groups and planning groups. They have no time to really be concerned about healthcare. I do it full time. And I don't have time to learn everything there is to learn. And so I understand now they may have staff members that prepare them, but there is more than just there is more than just mental knowledge of the disease, the illness, the treatment, etc. There is also a connection from the heart that you understand and can imagine what is going on in a person when that person becomes sick and becomes desperate. So as far as I'm concerned, we have to go back to education if health interests you. Education has, be, has to be available. We need to train students in medical schools into the variety of different healing modalities. So let school be longer if necessary or spend less time on the, uh, you know, on the medications. If you only teach them that they know by heart what all the medications are for and the possible side effects, you can look that up in books, okay? But, and the pathology is something that's really important. Pathology, you need to understand. And even if it is just from one angle, but you need to understand, but you also need to understand the cause of the pathology. You need to learn what the potential reasons are why somebody gets sick, because if you don't understand where the problem started, how can you even start looking for a solution? The If you get your car fixed by a mechanic, they will follow the hoses wherever it goes or the wires to find out where there is a disconnect. And then they fix it. And of course, if it is a computer chip problem, it makes it a little bit more complex. But even these days, car mechanics have equipment to find in a computer chip what the problem is. You're going to have to find out why something happened. And I can only tell you from doing this for almost 24 years that I have learned from people that a lot of diseases have to do with how they feel about themselves and how they have felt about themselves for the last 10, 15 years. Sometimes we start relationships either with professionals or with love in love relationships that are, are, how do I say it, they're difficult right from the get-go and we somehow try to make it work, but it just doesn't jive with us. Now, okay, it's our problem, so we have to change, but it's not always easy to change. And sometimes we are really involved with bad people and we have to work with them. And these people are on a power trip and they know their power, they know their strength and they try to manipulate you and you can just get stressed and you, you're fighting yourself like you're not good enough and how come you can't, you can't adjust and how come you, you cannot be a better, stronger person it's sometimes, sometimes it's a very, very difficult situation that you enter and the years go by and you're brewing inside and something is happening and all of a sudden you start having ailments and now you try to cover that up yourself, self-medication, and then you keep going. And now you start having aches and pains and you're tired and, and then finally you go to the doctor because you can't handle it anymore. This starts to affect your private life. It starts to affect your hobbies. It affects your daily work. And you feel you're slipping. So you go see a doctor. And the doctor says, well, based on my situation today, today, not what happened to you 15, 20 years ago, 10 years, 7 years ago, 3 years ago. Based on what I see today, I'll give you this medication. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, We are not stagnant people. So if the doctor feels that you need to be on medication today based on what he sees today or what she sees today, that's one thing, but we're all fluid. We, we change, we move, we, things are more positive. Uh, We have good things happen, bad things happen. It affects us one way or the other. So as we change the medication cannot be the same because it was based on the moment that the doctor saw you. So when I see people who are on the same medication for years and years and years and never change, there are some medication you may have to be on. But trust me, there is a lot of medication you don't have to be on. And people are just taking it because the doctor, who may already have retired right now, told you to stay on it. But does your body really need it? You have moved into a new direction. You have changed. You know, sometimes we change the wallpaper or the paint color in our house. Or we, we, we extend something. We expand our house. Or we, uh, we have a flood. Or we have uh, the wind blowing through the garden and ruining the flowers. Things change. What was once beautiful is not beautiful anymore. And what was once ugly is all of a sudden beautiful. So you have to work with change. And the sad thing is that most physicians, when they prescribe, you're on it for a while. It's very rarely, okay, antibiotics is one where they say, you have to take this for the next 10 days. But there's two things that I wonder. Who tells me that these people really need antibiotics? Number two, who are you to say it's only 10 days? Why can it not be four days? Why, can't, why shouldn't it be 15 days? These are things, in my opinion, that you need to keep in mind when you're dealing with medication. In my opinion, okay, we need to adjust. So what can we do ourselves to make our own system better? And what this talks about, as far as the healthcare can be dangerous, they are saying that about 400,000 people die in this country every year from adverse effects of medications or treatment. The U.S. healthcare is less effective. The infant mortality in the first five years of life in the U.S. is the highest of developed countries, being ranked 42nd in the world by the World Health Organization. Our infant mortality rate is much higher than Japan and the Scandinavian countries, that each Scandinavian countries, that each have uh, 16,000, that each... Year 16,000 babies die in the US that would not die if they were born in these other developed countries. Our life expectancy is ranked below 40th by all organizations that do rankings and it is not improving as fast as life expectancy in other developing countries, countries. It is also extremely expensive. On a per capita basis, healthcare in the US is twice as expensive as healthcare in any other developed country. Hospital, Doctor, drug fees are much higher in the U.S. than in other developed countries. For example, heart bypass surgery that costs $50,800 in the U.S. costs only $19,200 in the Netherlands. A hip replacement in the U.S. is almost $35,000. Whereas in France, the cost is only 12600 would be worth the flight over there and spend some time in a nice hotel. A supply of Lipitor that cost $130 in the U.S. cost only $39 in the U.K. The U.S. healthcare is often unethical. Studies have shown that only a small fraction of the time is the patient given enough information to make informed choices about the healthcare, which often involves expensive and invasive procedures. CAT scans or CT scans are increasing at an alarming rate and patients are seldom informed that they run a higher risk of getting cancer because of each scan. Medical records are often missed information pointing to medical errors and have been found to be of poor quality in most hospitals studied. Of older the patients are often prescribed drugs that are dangerous to their health. One in six hospital admissions through the ER is due to inappropriately prescribed medications. Studies have shown that seniors are heavily over-medicated. Good morning, caller. Thanks for waiting. What's your name? How can we help you?
1: This is Aaron Jacobus. How are you doing? Hey,
0: I'm doing well. Thank you.
1: Hey, um, you know, you're talking about the health care bill not having anything, you know, preventive preventative care, you know, taking care of yourself in it. Um, you know, Cuba, the left loves to rail about the Cuban health system, you know, and the Cubans being healthy people. Yeah. Um, there's something they don't mention, though. And that's that because of the embargo that the United States has, they have no mechanized agriculture, right And so their agriculture when you if you look at it, they have these raised beds that are concrete all over the place. and people farm by hand and everything is uh, highly organic um, to a degree that the organic standards in the United States probably seem pretty poisonous, but their food, Supply is is top notch. It's it's as close to nature as you can get, right? Yes. Okay, that's why they can afford socialized healthcare system because they're getting the nutrition, they're getting the food that they that's, that's good for them. They don't get the the nitrates and the sodium and all the stuff that we get. Yes. So when you look at that in the healthcare bill, politicians are kind of in a weird spot. Because there's two types of health that people need and they, they require, unfortunately, the financial health far outweighs to the individual their physical health, and for most of their life anyway. Yeah. And so, a politician who doesn't want to get involved in in the healthcare industry at all is egged on by his the people who voted for him to get involved. So then he has to, and there's this juggling. That has to go on. There's a medium of balance that, that these politicians have to try to reach because of the demand of the society. And when you have like Monsanto's, you know, we can talk about all the ills that Monsanto's is doing, yeah. And and it's all health related, but the financial benefit that Monsanto has is all positive. So there's a negative aspect to them, but there's a, a health aspect that's financial and that's very positive. So, as a politician that's being told, hey, look, you keep my financial health in order and you keep my physical health in order, there's got to be a balance there. And and I think in this day and age, it's just too much work for the system that we have, the way that we create laws and with lobbying and, and things of that nature. I think it's a very complex deal to get done.
0: Uh, you know, I agree with you. It, it has the whole system, even what I'm reading over here, it's very complex. Because I think about myself as somebody who is interested in health and who cares about health, both in other people and in myself. And at the same time, we're talking about millions of people who who never think wink an eye when it comes to health. They think everything is just fine. And when they go to the doctor and get a blood test and the blood test says you're all in the normal range, they say, well, I'm fine. And they keep doing what they're doing. They're not worried about their health. So to 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 try to explain complex situations like we're discussing right now is already difficult for us, and then you add to that the complex situation for people who don't even who are not even interested in it. It is definitely a difficult uh, difficult thing to understand. So it well, uh, I agree with you.
1: That's what I like about your little shot down there. You're trying to find that balance with the financial and the and the body health. Yeah. Um. Your, your products are all inexpensive and and. You know, so good for you, Jacobus. Have a good
0: day. Well, thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. Have bye a bye. good day as well. Bye-bye. Folks, uh, if everything goes well, we should be uh, talking to uh, Polly Tommy and Dr. Suzanne Humphreys when we come back after the break, talking about the movie Vaxed. So stay tuned for that. I am excited that everybody is here and that everybody is staying tuned. We will be right back. Talk about today about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. And these next two hours are going to be dedicated to the movie Vaxed. And uh, Vaxed is a very, very interesting documentary, which was directed by Dr. Andy Wakefield. And uh, some of you may have heard about him. Others who have not will explain more about his work. And there are two ladies with me on the phone. And let me introduce you both, Polly, Tommy is the mother of Bella, Toby, and Billy, which is her 20-year-old son with autism. Polly is a leading autism advocate and activist and has appeared as a spokesperson for individuals and families living with autism. She has appeared in print and television media around the globe and has tirelessly initiated autism campaigns directed at political leaders and society in general to increase awareness of autism. Concerned? that current access to specialist autism services and facility provision, especially following educational years, remains insufficient, Polly founded the Autism Trust charity in the UK in 2007, which has a facility in Berkshire and recently has a 501c3 nonprofit in Austin, Texas, that is currently building an inspirational center, that will offer both residential and outpatient resources to individuals and families living with autism. Polly Tommy co-authored her book, Autism, a practical guide to supporting your child's quality of life, which was released by Piatkas in 2011. She also founded the Autism Media Channel in 2010 that has produced over 60 videos for the European Sky Information Channel and successful documentaries and films, including "Who Killed Alex Spordelakis," we also have with us Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, a medical doctor, is board-certified in nephrology and internal medicine. After 22 years of working in conventional hospital settings from 1989 until 2011, Dr. Humphreys is now continuing her own research, lecturing in various parts of the world writing books, and conducting her own private practice in Maine and Virginia. Dr. Humphreys is not an activist. She is a conventionally educated doctor who used to prescribe vaccines and later saw vaccine damage occurring in her own patients. She was met with irrational resistance by hospital administration for canceling vaccination orders in seriously sick patients with sepsis, congestive heart failure, acute kidney failure, cancer on chemotherapy, etc., The hospital administrators required her to justify choices made for her own patients for the first time in her career. Because of this, she researched the medical literature on vaccination, only to discover that the words of those opposing her were built upon propagandized falsehoods. It is absolutely a pleasure to have both you ladies with us. Good morning to you, and thanks for spending some time.
2: Good morning. Thank
0: you for having us. Uh, You're very welcome. Hello. Well, I... Tell you, I watched the movie Vaxxed, the documentary Vaxxed. I highly recommend people watch the documentary. I downloaded it from Netflix, and then I downloaded it, bought it for twelve ninety is absolutely essential that people see it. And I know, and we're going to talk a little bit about the controversy that is surrounding it as well. There is a lot of negative press on it as well. And I guess this is what was something that uh, that you, Polly, in this case, because you're one of the producers of the program, that you expected or did you not? Did, um, did you expect the controversy?
2: Yes, always. Always with the subject. Um, and I'm actually I, I sitting here with the um, editor of the film, Back, Brian am who happens to be sitting here with me right now. So okay. um, you have a full team. But yes. I mean, always, we've been, we've been putting out um, information on vaccine injury for for many years, Dr. Wakefield, Brian Burrows and myself, and always, w- way more people are in support of what we do because of the amount of people that are vaccine injured. So, um, yes, you're always going to get the pro vaccine um, and, and let me be clear, that's exactly who I was before this injury happened to my son. Yes. Um, but I think as the more that we go on with what we're doing, and so much has happened in the 15 months since Vax um, was released, we have moved so much further on with this bus and traveling around the country and learning so much from the parents of America on the real severity of vaccine injury. It is literally every single vaccine with, um, at, at any age. And um, we really have moved, moved on and learned so much since Vax was released.
0: That 15 months ago, right? And I one of the things that I also saw in the movie is indeed the doctors who are saying, "Well, there is no connection at all with vaccines and any negative effect," and uh, they definitely dispute the fact that there could be a correlation between MMR vaccine and possible autism. And so, at the same time, they say, uh, "You say in the movie, I don't know if it is you personally or somebody who says, but then we look." at the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have come forward, who have said, wait a second, we are seeing changes in our child when they have been vaccinated. And even, and I know Dr. Humphreys can, can attest to this as well, giving somebody a vaccine, even, even a simple flu vaccine, can cause side effects. And so the fact that you are doing the tour and that you are meeting with the regular folks in America, and they range from professionals in the health business to the regular folks, whatever they're doing for work, um, everybody can tell a story about side effects of vaccines ever since they received them.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you know, the bottom line here is what we're saying here on the road, is that there is no doubt in our minds that we have been severely lied to. Um, Vaccine... um, Vaccines are, are, in my mind, the biggest uh, medical lie ever. Um, Merck have covered themselves. If we, if we had gone into the vials of these vaccines that we're giving our children and actually opened the insert and read uh, all the side effects and all the possible injuries that could come, it's listed. It's there. Yes. The doctors, they're the pediatricians, the people that we take our precious babies to. They're the ones that I hold accountable for the vaccine injury. They should have done their job properly. They should have known what they were putting into our children. They should have known. They should have told us. Every single side effect. Yes. But instead, we get, and we still get, over and over again, on television, in the media, everywhere, vaccines are safe and effective. And that is the biggest lie ever told. And, and the people are taking control now. And, and all we ever hear is, this study, this statistic, this study, we are so done with listening to the studies and the statistics because it's bought. The pharmaceutical companies seem to own and pay for every study out there. And we're so taking control. We're listening to each other. We're listening to the real injury of vaccines. I'm pinning up in this bus, photograph after photograph, I'm looking at them right now, of dead babies. Teenagers that have flu vaccines because they go on mission trips. Uh, Children getting their vaccines before they go to school. They're dead. They're gone.
0: Well, and there have also been, you know, so many of our military young men And women who serve in the military are being vaccinated before they're shipped out. And many of them have problems. And there are many who have passed away because of what they would call war-related incidents or military service-related accidents or whatever they call it. Many of them have seen big changes after since they were vaccinated because they had to be protected. And the history shows, depending on the reports you read, that most of the time, When a vaccine is being produced, the disease itself is definitely on the decline. And I know that uh, Dr. Humphreys has on her website, uh, you have a tremendous amount of slides about graphs where it shows indeed often the decline when the vaccine is introduced, but then the vaccine company claims the victory and says it's because of us that the disease is now gone. Can you explain something more about that, Dr. Humphreys?
3: Sure. And it, it's really not the disease that goes on the decline prior to the vaccine. Like if you look at measles, measles might have been on a very slight decline as far as clinical presentations to, to doctors and documentation of the disease, but it's really the death rates that go down. So when you ask, when you ask yourself, why do we need a vaccine? The reason you could give is that there's a highly deadly disease that's causing major problems in the population. But if you look at a disease like measles, it was deadly 200 years ago, 150 years ago, in the times when people's immune systems were severely held back and crippled by the the environment and the, the food supply and the child labor laws and purple fever and mothers dying so that they couldn't nurse their children. Yes. So, so measles was a problem, but it wasn't actually the, the the germ that was the problem. It was the lack of ability to fight the germ by the immune system, and that would have been true for any infectious agent back in those days. Yes. So what we saw, you know, prior to the release of the vaccine in around 1963 is that the death rate in, the, in America was down by over 98%, and the death rate in the U.K., was down by over 99% for measles. So it wasn't necessarily the disease rate, and we had been establishing good herd immunity in the population, meaning that those that were most vulnerable were protected by virtue of the circulation and population immunity. Yes. So pregnant mothers were protected because by virtue of having had the disease when they were children, so their infants were protected for up to two years. That's not the case today. Older people were protected by virtue of having the disease when they were younger. And that's not the case today. So, you know, while the transmission of measles has gone down and we don't see it anywhere near as much as we did right before the vaccine, the death rate is almost unchanged. There are only about 450 deaths in this country per year from measles. And it's my belief as well as a lot of medical professionals believe that if parents were taught how to use vitamin A, And if measles was just let to go a little bit longer, that the death rate would have continued to decline.
0: I see. Very interesting. If we have a caller on hold, caller, good morning. Your name, please. How can we help you?
4: My name is Don, and a very good friend of mine. uh, Good morning, and uh, a very good friend of mine. Last September, uh, had a booster shot for pneumonia up in the VA hospital in Fort Harrison, and exactly seven days later, he woke up in the middle of the night in tremendous pain. He rushed to the emergency ward, and a lady there, luckily enough, a doctor, was familiar with what he had, and she saved his life. He was in intensive care for eight days, and you know what it was? It was dang fever, and it was a reaction from that pneumonia booster shot. Now, that may sound crazy, but that's the second case that's been in Bozeman in the last six months, Mm. and he almost lost his life over the thing. She had to know what it was he would have probably ended up either dead or at least paralyzed because oh. that is the bad one, to say the least. Now if people say you can't be, can't be happened that way. well, tell a immunological society or whatever it is, because there's an insurance fund that's set up for that, and they're going to pay him two hundred thousand dollars for his problems.
0: Yeah, that's a great point.
3: Well, without
4: examining that person's medical chart, I
3: I can't comment about that particular person, but I will say that, you know, my entrance into the the vaccine controversy surrounded uh, reactions in adults to the pneumococcal vaccine. So I've seen it happen. I know it happens. Um, It's an aluminum-containing vaccine as well, and uh, there's no vaccine that's, that's without side effects. So even if you look at the vaccine adverse event reporting system, you'll see cases like this, death, paralysis. You know, pneumonia still happens in elderly people after they've had this vaccine. And the pro-vaccine religious people will say... That, oh, yes, it happens. It would have happened anyway. This vaccine is only specific to the 23 types, and so you can still get infected with others. But if you understand what happens to an immune system after an aluminum containing vaccine, you would see that that would actually make you more susceptible to other forms of infection that may not have
0: been targeted by that particular vaccine. That's right. Great point. Well, well what was weird
4: about this is that's a tropic disease, and he, it's called, you know, French polio from the, the times it was very prevalent in the French Guinea area. And uh he has never been in the tropics. Huh. And he had never been out of the state of Montana in the last year. I see. And there's no doubt whatsoever as the doctor told him that what happens on some of those vaccines in the pneumonia vaccine booster, it can break down and as a result the breakdown of the thing starts invading the myelin sheaths around your nervous system and it goes through your system and he started getting paralyzed from it, but it was ding fever. And how you get that from ammonia pneumonia shot, don't ask me. But he got it, and he is the second case in Bozeman. Yeah. In the last six months, mm. that has had the last year, I should say now. And that is people that who you that. know.
0: That is just who you That's know, Don. That's people that I know. Does other people probably as well.
4: Yes. Mm. And you can contact the Bozeman Deaconess there because, you know, and check with them to see if they would give you any information on that. But he was the IC in the ICU for eight days. Mm.
0: Well, I appreciate the call, Don. Thanks bet, for listening. Martin. You bet. Bye-bye. You bet. Have but a good one. You as well. Bye-bye. Polly, would you do us a favor, and for those who have not seen the movie at this point, could you give us a quick rundown what the movie is about? Vaxed from cover-up to catastrophe.
2: Okay, so that's very, very important. They're calling it an anti-vax. It's vaccine film. It is not an anti-vaccine
0: film. That is true. That is true. That is absolutely true. It's not against vaccines. Uh,
2: no, it is not an anti-vaccine film. It is a film about uh, corruption and fraud at the CDC. A top senior scientist, Dr. William Thompson, has come out and told us about. You really need to watch it. You know, I mean, I can give you a summary, but guys, you really need to go. I, and I watch agree.
0: You have to see it. Yeah, I watched it. It's impressive. It really
2: doesn't make sense unless you do watch it. You can just hear me talk about it and summarize it, but there's no excuse, Ms. Dainey. It's actually even pirated on on YouTube. So there's no excuse. If you haven't got any money, you've got to watch it yourself. And it's very simple to understand. It is about fraud. It's about how the CDC cannot be trusted to do safety studies on these vaccines. It's about how we've all been lied to. And this is just the MMR. So goodness knows what's happening with all the other vaccines in there. And as I've said, we really have moved on since this film. There's way more fraud and corruption going on, and the parents themselves are bringing us the latest on that. So go and see Vax. You can watch it online. You can watch it at Vax.com. Yeah. iTunes, Amazon, or you can watch it um, just illegally. That is your book.
0: Now, the uh, <laughs> the movie is made, uh, directed by Dr. Andrew Wakefield, and he was in the news in the uh, about 2010, And he was in the UK, and he was uh, kind of his license was taken away because of his controversial comments. Now he is a gastroenterologist, very successful. has written medical papers about 144 medical papers, and he was just interested in it. And he explains some of what happened to him in the movie, in the beginning of the movie. Uh, But tell us how Dr. Wakefield uh, is. This kind of his chance to say what what he wanted to say as a rebuttal to what has happened to him in the media back in 2010? No, let me make
2: this absolutely clear. Dr. Andrew Wakefield, from the very, very beginning, has only wanted to do the right thing. And that is, please, can we have some research? It's what he said years ago. Something is wrong. The parents are reporting that this MMR vaccine is making their kids sick. Please, can we do some research on it? That's all he said.
0: Yeah.
2: He would use the scapegoat. I happen among many other British parents, to be there throughout the whole of the General Medical Council when um, Andrew Wakefield was there. And he answered every single question calmly and collected. There was yep. about 10 people in there that were so-called judges, and most of them were asleep. It was a fix from the beginning, and that is not conspiracy or anything else. You had to be there to see it. Yeah. This guy was set up from the very, very beginning. He's a scapegoat. Now, people say to me, why haven't they taken him out? Why haven't the big, dark side taken him out? They're not going to take Andrew Wakefield out. They need to have somebody as the scapegoat on this and it's not washing because we're going out on the streets and people have never heard of Andrew Wakefield the reason why people are not vaccinating anymore is because they're seeing what is happening to their best friend's child or a family member. People are not stupid, don't underestimate the parents of America or worldwide. There's nothing to do with Andrew Wakefield. He did back the film because he knew it was the right thing to do and that's all Andrew Wakefield is doing trying to stop and put an end to the corruption the death and destruction of our children and the future generations Right. He is a good
0: man. Yeah, that is you know when you listen to him, he is uh, very collected and uh, even video clips I watch from him on YouTube. Uh, it looks like he he number one he is just concerned. He's just concerned and and one of the things that you that is in the movie Vaxed uh, from Cover Up to Catastrophe, it, it towards the end it really is talking about the CDC has been asked to do a research on the difference between people who have been vaxxed against people vaccinated who are not vaccinated. And they deny that they, they first say, yeah, we have done that study, but they have never really done the study. And that's all they say. Can you do the research on people who are vaccinated versus not vaccinated and show the difference in disease patterns, etc.? And I think the, as far as I know, that still has not been done, right? Is that in the pipeline right now? Well,
2: But I'll tell you this, the reason why they're so afraid to do that study, because when they do, and they do it properly without corruption, it's game over. Because what we're seeing here on the road is the unvaccinated are supersonic healthy. There is no denying it. These kids are healthy, they're strong, they do not have all the illnesses. A few have a few issues, but on the whole, they are superior to our children that we are vaccinated and are so sick. Yeah. So, the, as there is very, very night and day, the reason why this has never been done as we would want it to be done um, is because they're done. They're over. It's, it is game
0: over. But we can can talk to you about that in a metaphor. Wow. <laughs> Folks, you are listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus. We're going to take a short break. So, I hope you stayed with us, and uh, we will be right back. I really appreciate uh, both you ladies being with me today. And I I tell you that as we were just talking about uh, Vaxxed and slight synopsis, there is a controversy going on because and it is so powerful that no matter where you look, uh, both Polly and Dr. Humphreys are being ridiculed on the web and for all different reasons that has nothing to do with the actual work on vaccinations and I, I want to ask you both, how do you deal with this? I mean, you have to have a thick skin in order to uh, to deal with some of these attacks that are coming your way.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we try to just ignore it because someone said you only know when you're close to success, when as many people loathe you as they do like you. Uh, that's
0: true. That's, that's I, true.
2: I mean, look, half of these people that attack us online are people that sit behind computers um, with fake names and never come out to actually address this right. with us. Dell uh-huh. big tree is open for discussions. as is angie wakefield as is the vaccine but they never do that they just stay well away or if they do come they stand with their placard about half a mile away and and or, or shout abuse at us and then race off in their cars these people do not want to actually come face to face and have this discussion with us because they know that they're wrong with the truth you can't argue with the truth
0: right good point we have a caller on hold uh, good morning caller thanks for joining the program what is your name how can we help you please
5: Good morning, Jacobus. This is Pete.
0: Hey, Pete. Thanks for calling.
5: You bet. There's been a couple of things that actually happened to me, and I'm not sure that this is the right word, but I've been told that doctors are told while they're being educated to become doctors that one of the things you don't ever do is practice paternalism. Yes. And believe me, it's alive and well right here in Bozeman, Montana. And, And I know because it happened to me, and it didn't even concern me. It was about my granddaughter and vaccines. Right. And I was told by the doctor not
6: that he wouldn't treat my daughter,
5: my granddaughter. He didn't want to see me anymore. Huh. And I had talked to it with my daughter, talked about the vaccines with my daughter, and I told her, I said, the best thing you can do is put a stop to it until you, yourself, get educated about it and understand what, what's going on, and there's a lot. And before I forget, I want to thank
0: you for this show. It's awesome. Uh, thank you. But uh, And, Pete, I know. want to thank you for all your work and emails uh, about uh, vaccinations. You've been on this for many, many years, and um, yeah. you're really working hard to educate people about the dangers.
5: Yep, and it's something new every time, every day. You can't, you know. I never get to the place where I where I think I know it all because I know that I don't. So you just you just keep pushing and digging and searching, and that's what we all need to be doing.
0: Do you but have I'm, a question today for uh, both Polly and Doctor Humphreys?
5: Yes, I do. There's there's a, another documentary out there, and I'm wondering if they have seen it, which is the truth about vaccines. It was a, I think it's a seven part or nine part thing that you could get. I think I sent it to you or to yeah. go there.
0: Yeah, you have. But, yes,
5: but that's also a a very good um, documentary on on this subject. And I <laughs> haven't seen the whole thing of Vax yet, but I intend to. And I <laughs> really, honestly, I don't, I don't that I'm gonna learn a lot after years and years of digging into this stuff but I'm sure that I probably will. And the last thing is that we always hear about autism, but we never hear about the millions of kids, that would have to assume, that end up with gut problems. And I guess my question is, is there a a detox for the metals? And I'll get off and listen off the air.
0: Thank you, Pete. All the best to you. Bye-bye.
2: That was quite a few questions. So, first of all, speak about vaccines. Yes, I've seen it. I think it's fantastic. I think that the more uh, documentaries and people that put out their testimonies and uh, interview top doctors, and the more out there, the better. So, absolutely, uh, for me, it was a great series. I didn't watch the last one, but I watched everything up to the last one. Um, so, I'm all for that. Um, well, I can't remember what the other questions were
0: um, if there is an, some kind of a detox for the uh, for vaccines that people could do after they have their vaccines. I, in the store that I own, there are some homeopathic remedies that are specifically geared towards uh, eliminating vac- uh, the dangers of vaccine and uh, certain heavy metals.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't. There's so many. Well, we set up a magazine in 1999 where it's free online. And parents are discussing all their different types of detox and methods for improvement. And some have even um, had their diagnosis is taken away. There's so much. The, the, the issue is this. There's not one protocol that fits um, a child that's been injured. If there was, our lives would be so easy. Each sure. child is different. So yes. my advice is go to autismfile.com and you read and, and work it out for yourself what's right for your child or grandchild. Because you have to. No one knows their child better than the parent. And you have to pick and, and sort out of what it is with the issues that your child has that you can improve. So for, for my son, Billy, diet was key, 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 key. But we did a many, many, many therapies and treatments for him when he was a child, and it's difficult to know actually to pinpoint which ones actually um, helped him. But, um, again, it's all documented in the autism file. So I would suggest going there and reading all the parents' testimonies and the doctors' testimonies of what it is that works for each child and then, and then pick the right thing for yourself. Right. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, the main, back when Billy was getting
3: vaccinated, the metals were, would have been uh, mercury in the form of ethylmercury,
0: mercury
3: and aluminum right. called aluminium in England. And uh, they didn't do any metal chelation with Billy, and they still had improvement with him. So the metal isn't everything. Today's most common metal in the vaccines is aluminum. And it's a very difficult metal to chelate. You know, there are some good drugs that can be injected or put on the skin. The reckless depository doesn't take out lead and mercury, yeah. but aluminum is very difficult because you, you end up removing a lot of iron when you remove the aluminum. So the most common way people are getting the aluminum out today, um, there's been a study showing that sweating removes a significant amount of aluminum, and also um, mineral waters that are high in silica can remove some. So that's that's about it. The best thing to do is not to put them in, really, and to know what you're doing before you you consent to a vaccine, to know the content of aluminum, to ask the doctors if they know the content of the aluminum that they're about to inject, if they know the difference between eating aluminum
0: and injecting aluminum,
3: and if they know all the two hundred different neuro you know uh, toxicities of aluminum that are listed in medical literature, so I would say to put the doctors on the spot, ask them questions, um, expose. To their, You know, some of these doctors don't know what they don't know. Right. So that's why I think it's just good to ask doctors
2: questions before consenting to things and always think two and three times before consenting to any injection into a healthy human being. And stay away from the white coat doctors. We're talking naturopaths and I'm talking... The white coat doctors? Drug your child.
0: You, don't, you said stay away from the white coat doctors?
2: Yeah, stay away from the so-called medical profession that will just say, oh, there's nothing that can be done for your child. So here, let me refer you to a psychiatrist. And let me give you some Miralax for the constipation. Everything's going to make your child worse. Yes. These people do not know how to treat our children. You must go to someone who's experienced in it. And the best place to go for a referral is the parent. Listen yeah. to the parent, they come first, they'll tell you where to
0: go. All right. Now, the, uh, it's interesting, uh, Dr. Humphreys, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, years ago uh, when people were diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Uh, one of the, there is different reasons why people have fibromyalgia, but uh, one of the things that I was reading then was that it can be muscle tissue breakdown because of not having enough uh, magnesium, and then therefore aluminum toxicity. Aluminum toxicity that starts eating away the muscle tissue and causes this pain, and because of that, uh, there were natural remedies with malic acid and with magnesium. To the malic acid to remove the aluminum out of the system and then the magnesium to build the buffer back to the muscle so that the muscle was protected again. And uh, when people would take the recommended dose that was about 2,500 milligrams of malic acid a day, uh, they actually often found less pain within about 48 hours. Now, uh, have you heard of malic acid as a potential chelator for aluminum? Yes
3: thing i i've heard is there's uh, a medical doctor in new zealand who is using this to try to get a lymphatic brain
0: good morning cola what is your name please
3: um, this is mayor
0: hey mayor hi
7: um yeah my nephew this was 30 some years ago went in he was six months old went in for his healthy baby checkup and the next day he was dead i mean they had given him a no vaccine. way really and yep um, he was fussy that night, and my sister in law just thought, "Well, I'm going to let him work it out." She went in the morning to check on him. He was covered in mucus and was dead. And they called it SIDS. Oh,
0: well, of course, I yeah. don't
7: believe it's SIDS. And then fast forward uh, quite a few years. My daughter had the two of the three um, Gardasil shots. After the second one, she could not wake up for two years. I mean, she. I mean. You know, they said, oh, she's depressed, so we ended up taking her to a psychiatrist. That wasn't the problem. The problem was the Gardasil vaccine. Yes. And wow. I, will, I know. And I trusted this doctor who said, oh, yeah, I would definitely give my daughter that vaccine. And um, I did some research, and I found a, something on those, I think it was with the CDC Um, It was a document basically saying that the diagnosis of SIDS is actually part of a side effect of the vaccine. So there really is no such thing as SIDS. I see. I believe that if you talk to, I'm just curious, if we could get every family that lost a child to SIDS, if that child was vaccinated within a relatively short period of time, before the death of that baby, wow. there wouldn't be a correlation, and I
0: would bet there would be. Yeah, I I can agree with you. Uh, anything uh, you ladies have to say about that?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, this is what we're saying on the bus the whole time. Parents are coming in and telling us that they, and this is important, they did as they were told. They trusted the, the medical profession with their most pre- precious gift of all. And the medic- and over and over and again, the same bullying lines that you just got. It's a classic line from a pediatrician. Please watch out for this line. I would give it to my daughter. I would give it to my baby. This is, it is just it's one of the worst lines that we're hearing. because The parent then immediately is like, oh, that's okay. It's safe. We're hearing nothing but dreadful, dreadful lines of, do you, you want your child to get cancer? Do you want your baby to die? Because your baby will die if you don't give it this vaccine. And the parents are then so petrified that they then go ahead and do these vaccines. And then lo and behold, the parents of the SIDS babies are coming in and telling us, yes, they had their vaccine and they found their babies dead in their crib. And they're then told it's SIDS, it's not the vaccine, it's anything but the vaccine. Right. So we're definitely waking up to the, to the dreadful massive lie of SIDS and SIDS vaccine, vaccine deaths. And, and and please, while we're talking about this, you've just brought up two of my worst subjects, the SIDS and the Gardasil. The Gardasil, anyone who's listening, please, please look it up. Go to com and look at our Gardasil stories. They're causing death all around the country. They are causing um, ovaries to shut down in these teenage cells. The boys are being so badly affected and made and paralyzed. Paralysis is a huge um, side effect of this vaccine. There is nothing, and I repeat, nothing, Good, from the for
0: vaccine. unbelievable Nothing. unbelievable wow
2: yeah it
7: really is i mean my child still this is 10 10 years later still suffers from just being tired all the time
0: but she was in a coma for two years
7: oh no no she i mean when i said she went to sleep i mean she oh. could not function she could hardly go to school oh. she had to quit her job she i mean she was not the same child wow and wow. then they said, well, she's depressed. So we ended up going to a psychiatrist. They put her on all kinds of course, medication that did nothing. And I I refuse, absolutely refuse. She'll never have another vaccine. She's 26 now. Wow. I'll never have another vaccine. And I have, my boss's daughter just had a baby a at Deaconess and I said to them, you make sure wherever that baby is, one of you is with that baby. Because they will give it a va- vaccine, whether you specified, no. Yes. They will do it anyway. They've been caught doing it anyway.
0: Did you see the movie Vaxxed, Mayor?
7: Not yet, but I'm going to. You because have to. I, I've, I've read books on it. I've done, you know, research, not like Pete, but I know the deal. Yeah. And I try to tell everybody I know.
0: When you talk, when you're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, watching the baby, there's a scene in there from a mother with a set of twins, and when they were young, they had to be. Doctor said they had to be vaccinated, and as she walked in the room, there was uh, three syringes uh, for each child because they were twins, so three on each side of the uh, tray. And um, when her daughter got the first one, she was screaming so loud it was clear she didn't want to get vaccinated. Then all of a sudden, the mother grabbed the baby. And as she turned around to to, to, to search the the daughter, she turned around and she saw that there was one of the vaccines missing on her daughter's side and realizing that the MMR one was given twice to her son. And so twice, so he had a double dose and he has been uh, suffering from autism ever since. And uh, where the daughter is now 17, 18, senior and doing phenomenally. Grade A student, uh, piano player, uh, gymnast, uh, sports, etc. Uh, here is this boy who is totally almost lethargic uh, from, uh, since that vaccine. And there is indeed something to say about if everybody in this country would be forced to have a teaspoon of peanut butter every day or shellfish every day, we would have a lot of people with anaphylactic shock. And simply, we are learning that people have allergies to certain, call them little chemicals in food that doesn't jive with their constitution or their, however they're conditioned. And so why do we think that vaccines are perfectly safe for each and every one who takes it? Now, uh, yeah, and so this is... it's,
7: It's follow the money, Jacobus. It's always about the money. It has absolutely nothing to do yeah. With anybody's health or well-being, it's about somebody getting filthy rich on our backs and on our children's backs. And yeah. the only common denominator with autism, with all these children now, what is it, one out of 60 when it used to be one out of what, 10,000? 10,
0: 10, yeah. Yeah. Um,
7: the only common denominator that I can see besides really crampy, poisonous food are vaccines.
0: Well, thanks you for know. the call, Mayor. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah, you betcha. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Dr. Humphreys, that is really also a very, uh, very much a research book. I haven't read it, but I, I saw it and I was looking at it a little bit uh, online. How has that book been, been received?
3: Uh, it's been received quite well, actually. Uh, Roman, Bistrionic, and myself co authored that book and self published it in 2013. And we were a little reluctant to self publish. Um, Back then, uh, but the book has been so successful that publishers have uh, offered us contracts, which we have uh, turned down. So uh, we're very happy with the success of the book. Um, It's sold tens of thousands of copies, and the word is still getting out. And it's it's because the book has a good message that people need to know, which is that vaccines are not what decrease the death rates for these particular diseases. The polio isn't what people think it was. And essentially, Roman and I were answering our own questions when we were starting to wake up to the problems with vaccines. So that's really how that book got started. And it's also about some of the natural remedies from 100, 200 years ago that were actually proven and shown to uh, help with survival in the face of smallpox epidemics and cholera epidemics, et cetera.
0: Right. Well, that's uh, uh, that's really powerful. And and I look to some of the chapters that I could look up on, on the web and your pictures and your graphs that you are explaining, those are not your graphs, but these are things that you have researched. I hope that anybody just go to uh, Suzanne Humphreys, look her up on the internet and find her website, uh, Suzanne Humphreys. And then you will you will find a lot of great information when you go to that website and look at this book, uh, Dissolving Illusions. And I, I will get a copy of it is, can I buy it in, uh, at Barnes & Noble, or do I have to go on the web?
3: Well, first of all, you can go to dissolvingillusions.com, and you can see all the graphs in color for free, the author's introduction, yeah. uh, Dr. Jean Donegan's forward, and all the uh, photographs, and where we sourced our data from. So we did create those graphs from official data. So dissolving illusions.com. My website is drsuzanne.net
0: and you can purchase drsuzanne.net. You're right. Yes.com yeah, uh,
3: is where you can get that book and my second
8: book rising from the dead.
0: All right. That's thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. I, I don't know if any of you ladies have heard about this, uh, that there was a conference. Uh, this was a few years ago uh, with doctors about vaccinations and one of the speakers said, if you take the amount of milligrams used in a vaccine for a child that is six, seven pounds, and you multiply it by the average of what we are over here in this room, let's say 160 pounds, 170 pounds, so you multiply this by about 24, 25, the the ingredients, and we put that in a syringe, who of you would like to come forward and take this shot? And none of the doctors uh, raises their hand and comes forward because they're all scared of the ingredients. Uh, have you heard of this one?
2: Um, no,
3: not that that what you're talking about in particular. But I have heard the argument uh, and the measurements that you know it's, a, it's an enormous amount of um, antigen and aluminum to be putting into an infant. Um, however, we should be well aware of the fact that the dose really um, the dose is. Relatively high for an infant, but even in very small doses, aluminum and antigen is highly problematic. And in some studies, they've shown that it's actually the lower doses of aluminum that are far more problematic than the higher doses. Because if you inject the higher doses, that gets balled off in granuloma formation on the, on, on the injection site, whereas the lower doses are able to more easily pass into the system and be shoveled across into the brain on these special transporters, right. and also delivered into other organs in the body. But right. uh, the reason they give the high doses to the infants is because an infant's immune system is by the blueprint that God created to be anti-inflammatory and so if you just put a little bit into this infant nothing will really happen so in order to get this massive bonfire of inflammation you actually have to give them a relatively high dose Mm -hmm. and as we get older as adults we're already put into this pro-inflammatory phenotype and therefore you don't need quite as much keep that bonfire going and right. that's my opinion on why these different
8: doses are given that
0: way very powerful stuff i really appreciate that explanation we're going to have to take a break we will be uh- right back our topic in these last two hours is about the movie Vaxed. you can find it at vaxed.com Vaxed from cover-up to catastrophe it's a movie that was co-produced by Polly Tommy, who is with me on the phone. We Also, we have Dr. Suzanne Humphreys with us, and we have two other people sitting in the bus uh, close to the microphones. It is Anu Vaidia, who is the technical engineer and social media, and we have Brian Burroughs with us as well, who is the editor. Uh, good morning, gentlemen, also to the program.
4: Good morning. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for sitting in with the ladies. I know we're doing it all with one telephone, so I don't know how you're doing it, but uh, so far it sounds pretty good. Now, Brian, you have been, you are the editor of the uh, the movie Vax, and you started working with the Autism Media Channel in 2009. You are a producer, editor, motion, graphic, and visual effects artist from Toronto who relocated to Austin, Texas in 1999. You have worked on film and television, producing, editing, and creating visual effects for feature films, documentaries, and numerous television commercials. Uh, You have worked on the movie Predators, Spy Kids 4, and Sin City 2, as well as second unit photography on Bright Shining City productions, Deeper and Deeper. This was, I guess, for you, not a very different project, Uh, editing that is just a technical skill, but what was something that you were attracted to in becoming an editor of this specific movie, Vaxxed?
9: Well, first of all, I'd like to say that's amazing. You've <laughs> your research. That's
0: oh, thanks. incredible. Thanks.
9: Um, but I've been working with Polly and Andy um, in, and am- in and amongst them for years. And so we worked on a film called Who Killed Alex Portlockis, And at the end of that film, Uh, right when we were wrapping it up, I was sitting next to Andy and he turned around to me and he said, so there's this whistleblower and started telling me that story. And I said, okay, what are we going to do? And he says, we're going to make a film. And so at the time I thought, this is the biggest story that I've ever heard of. So it was a no brainer. And, um, yeah, we, we just kind of jumped into it right away we went from one film right to the next. And it's been uh, kind of a roller coaster ever since.
0: You know, I remember a few years ago when the movie Food Matters came out yeah. and, the, and the director of that movie also said, uh, you know, he has done documentaries. And once he's done, he just moves on to the next. He said, it's just another project that I really enjoy. I put my heart and soul into it. But when he made the movie Food Matters, he said that whole thing took a life of itself. And he said it's just been amazing, the response, and it was hard for him to move on to the next project. You say right now that working on the movie Vaxed has been a complete different experience for you as well. Is there anything else in the pipeline that you want to work on that, that, that will be continuing story on this topic?
9: Yeah, Um yeah yes yeah, absolutely. I'm actually here with the bus right now because we're we're shooting interviews with the team for our next feature, uh-huh. which is basically going to be the story of the bus, and um, we're going to be looking at kind of what we've seen on the road and what they've seen on the road over the last year, and it's going to be focused pretty much on the unvaccinated and the difference between the vaccinated uh, vaccine injury. And uh, unvaccinated, healthy kids, so that's kind of what we're working on right away, but it's interesting. I took off about four months after making the film and went back and did some commercial projects last summer, yeah, and, and you know got to do some some pretty cool commercials and when i was when I finished those it it just seemed completely hollow. it just seemed... um oh,
0: interesting, yeah. void of
9: any substance after working on this film so you know, I think all of us are are looking at this as this is what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. I don't see anything else having any meaning. So that's a good thing and maybe a good thing as well uh, because I'm still relatively young. <laughs> good for and, you. Uh, and you want to stay that way. for a number of years. So.
0: Yeah. And I truly believe that when we look at this and look at the movie Vaxed it doesn't affect just the young people. It it has already affected so many people since the 30s, since the 40s, and and so generations have been affected. And when you look at the children growing up, and Polly, you your son is now 20, and there are other people who are obviously have children that are growing up. You you got to think. You hear you're a parent. You know how old you are. You think, oh, in 20 years, these children are still with me. And I'm going to be older and I try to do the best I can to stay healthy for myself so I can take care of them as long as possible. Because there comes a point when you simply say, I cannot take care of them anymore. I need to invest into help, which is usually very expensive, to take care of my, my child. And, and I think that uh, you know Andrew in this case uh, of Brian in this case you you uh, uh, you must see this with people when you do these interviews that there is a concern about yes we are it's already hard right now but how will it be in 10 20 years from now when my child is a, is a very mature adult how can we take care of him yeah
2: I, 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 that you've just touched on, on my, my biggest, biggest passion because our children that are injured, my son is actually twenty one now, and they're so vulnerable. Um he's doing so well but he's so so vulnerable. And um so all these other children I see I just they've been through so much pain or they've been they've had their lives brought to them and um and it's just the most tragic, tragic thing. And I just want to make sure that these we, we do the right thing I and mean, we look after them in a safe and beautiful way, a way that they deserve for the rest of their lives where no one hurts them. And they show the world they have so much potential, even with their injuries. And I, I, that's my big, deep passion. And that's why I'm here in America. That's what my green card is for. My green card is to build communities with the families and want to take the children away from their families where we can learn from each other and unite and love and look after each other's children for as long as we're around. And help other people take over when when we're not around because it is our duty as human beings to to really look after them. And many don't speak, many can't tell you the pain um, and um, they're, they're beautiful human beings that have had so much taken from them and we really, really, really must love and look after them for the rest of our lives. With so that, yes. as soon as that's finished, that is my biggest passion and we're going to build all over America and eventually worldwide because if we have to do this. It's, it's so the right thing to do. So you've really touched on the subject that's vitally important to me. So yeah. thank you for that. And we are yeah. we are working extremely hard already. We just need back to going to, to Brian's gonna edit with new film about the story of the bus, and I'm going to get back to Austin where we have 40 acres of land donated to build a fast center here in America. And then we got to get them... And we're going to film everything. We'll film everything we do as we do it so yeah.
0: parents
2: can get going around the country.
0: Well, that is wonderful. I appreciate that. Anu, thank you for bringing up the fact... That uh, the movie is not just for sale. Uh, I mean, there are ways to watch the movie, but uh, you can also rent the movie for four ninety nine. So people who don't want to buy it but definitely want to see it, if you go to Netflix, if you have a Netflix account, you can you can rent it for four ninety nine. Thanks for mentioning that. What exactly is your involvement or how did you get started with this project? Because you obviously are an audio-video production engineer and a consultant, and you've done this from a very young age. So just like myself, you love technical stuff, but you have actually made a career out of it. What happened over here? How did you get involved with Vaxxed?
10: Well, my involvement with Vaxxed actually is, and I say this all the time, but it was random. I was living in L.A. at the time, and this was about a week before the bus tour started and I was in the tail end of a post-production on a music video. Ah. And, um, the director that I was working for had previously worked for Dell big tree. Um, so I didn't have a direct connection to the team or Dell or anyone. And about a week before the tour started, Dell called the director that I was working for and said he needed someone that could do the kind of things that I do. Um, and, you know, luck have it that I was there and the director I was working for was, you know, very happy with my work and said, you know, you should talk to this guy. Um, I met with Dell about four days later and he told me what was going on. Um, I hadn't watched the film yet. He just told me what was going on. And then three days later, I flew out and then we started the tour. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing for me was when I actually first arrived in Austin, Texas, um, Having had Dell tell me what was going on with the CDC whistleblower and this specific, you know, study about the MMR vaccine, I said, you know what, that makes sense. Because I've always been kind of like a healthy skeptic, and uh, it makes sense that there's, you know, this corruption going on. However, when I got into Austin, the first thing I said to the team and I said to Polly and stuff like that, what, what I said was, you know what, I, I see where you're going with this. I see that this is a problem, but I don't know if I'm I'm on board with this whole anti-vaccination type thing, um, I still believe that there's some things that should be important. Um, and how wrong I was. I mean, I, we went out on tour and literally our first stop, we, we heard one of the most horrible stories about a Gardasil girl and a Gardasil injury. And it it changed the way I looked at the entire issue. And then it was just day after day of 15 to 20 stories a day with people tell us about how their lives have been ruined by these things that are supposed to have saved humanity somehow. So that's kind of how I got started with the team.
0: I see. Wow, thank you for doing it. And I'm sure you are very valuable to the team. And and I think that, yeah, wonderful. And I think that anybody who meets all of you and anybody who watches the movie will see that this is not just a project that finally came to fruition so you can actually grasp it and look at it and take it in and have your own experience with it. But besides that, it is the passion that all of you feel for something that is simply not clear, it's not stated by all the, med- the medical professionals that there is an issue, that there is a danger, that th- we cannot just take the vaccinations for granted and should be given to everybody. We need to take a deeper look into it. And And as Polly mentioned in the very first hour, she said, this is not an anti-vaccine movie. This is simply a documentary about the side effects of MMR vaccines on, on an increasing amount of children. And so, and even Dr. Andy Wakefield is saying, listen, if you were to give the vaccines, then at least give the measles, the mumps, and the rubella, the MMR, the trio, give them at separate occasions. There is less side effects than when you mix them together. There is something in these chemicals that simply have an effect on the body and there are too many children that have side effects. And I think that when when I hear all of you speak how you are involved with this project and how you have been involved. But now being on the bus tour, it simply speaks, this is obviously not something to make a lot of money out of. This is simply connecting with the American people and finding out, is this really a hoax or is this really true? And I think that when you see so many people come up to you and sharing the stories of the pain and suffering that they have experienced and seeing their children who had an unbelievable bright future ahead of them, Also based on the video clips in the movie that show these children right before the vaccinations, how they acted, how they were smiling, how they were interactive with the parents and a day or a week later, that is shocking. And I think that the fact that you're doing this to me uh, shows a lot of courage because you can get a lot of pro vaccine people coming at you. And and, uh, so my hats off to you, to all of you for doing this. Thank you
10: thank you. And, you know the, the other thing is too is that we don't want uh, the misconception going out there that I mean you know Vax started off from a place where he was talking about the MMR and specifically the study that happened at the CDC that was fraudulent Correct. Um, but but being on the road, you know there was that statement that you're talking about at the end of the movie where uh, you know dr. Andy Wakefield talks about you know at least give the separated vaccine now that was the viewpoint at that point. But after going out on the road and, you know, with Polly doing all these interviews and meeting all these people, what we've really realized, what we've really come to a conclusion with is that you don't know what's going to happen, whether it's separated or not. I mean, there's, there's people that have been injured by a single vaccine, like just the flu vaccine, and then they've died. So it's like, you know, it's saying that, okay, separating them is going to make them safe you can't entirely say that um it's not you can't say that categorically
0: at least right yeah totally true one of the comments that we often hear is that uh, people who are pro vaccines they say well we don't want our child to be in a daycare with unvaccinated children because uh, they could get sick and then they're not really clear about what they mean with they are they talking about their own children who have been vaccinated or the children who are not vaccinated? Uh, who of you would like to talk about this controversy and the question that always comes with it?
3: Okay. Um, I will, Dr. Suzanne. Um, Thank you. I would just like to say that, you know, there are probably millions of different types of microbes that we're bathing in all the time. We're pretty much marinating in. we're covered in microbes. And many of those microbes make up part of our immune system. And it's only a handful of them that there are actually vaccines developed to uh, make a, an attempt to fight against or to prevent. And most of those vaccines might hit their target, but there's always an expense. And that expense is referred to as the nonspecific effect in the medical literature and the immunologic literature. Some of those nonspecific effects actually make a person more susceptible to diseases that are not targeted by that vaccine. And that has been very well proven with the DPT vaccine, the aluminum-containing vaccines. I discussed this at length in a video called Vaccine Forever that I did in Oslo, Norway, that's available online. So that's one aspect that parents need to look at because the the people that aren't vaccinating could equally make that claim that they don't want their children around people that are vaccinated with aluminum-containing vaccines because those children's immune systems are impaired to the degree that they're more likely to develop influenza if they've had an influenza vaccine they're more likely to develop other types of influenza the following season including pandemic strains and to shed it longer it could be more of a problem Uh, when it comes to you know the measles vaccine i've already discussed how um You know, the problems with with herd immunity being disrupted by the vaccine. That vaccine was supposed to eradicate measles by the year of 1967. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. Now we're looking at a lifetime of continuous vaccination. It's just not the solution. So that's one aspect. But the other aspect is that uh, these vaccines don't work for the lifetime. There's primary vaccine failure, secondary vaccine failure. So parents have a false sense of security that these vaccines are protecting themselves and their other children around them.
0: Right. Totally true. That's uh, good stuff. Uh, Let's get a caller on who has a question for you. Good morning, caller. Your name, please. How can we help you? Good
11: morning. This is Mary. Hey, Mary. Good morning. Uh, Could you please address uh, well, First of all, thank you so much for this very honorable crusade. Uh, it's, it's tremendous, and thank you to the whole crew that's there. I've uh, come to understand that there's a new form that uh, a person has to consent to when entering the hospital, and this would be regardless if you're going into the ER or for a procedure, and they're substituting the word vaccines for biogenics. So y- you, you sign in when you're going into the hospital, and if you don't specifically delete that or address it, it automatically uh, opens you to vaccines while you're in the hospital, either if you're conscious or unconscious, and, and there's, n- there's no way of knowing what vaccines they will give to you. And uh, in the local hospital here, they ask you verbally as you're signing in if you are up to date on your vaccines. But apparently this is now standard in the forums all across the nation. Thank you. I'll hang up so there's no interference and listen offline. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Mary. All right. Okay.
11: It's, it's Dr. Suzanne again. I'd like to address this. Um, yeah, we have comment. about
0: we have about uh, 30 seconds.
3: Okay. Uh, or or, we, or okay.
0: we can do it in the next half hour, whatever you like to do.
3: Okay. Maybe we should do it in the next half hour. Then. I'll
0: do it in the next half hour. Well, thank you so much. Okay. We will be right back. So we have a very interesting crew. And Dr. Suzanne, I would like to ask you to continue with your answer. You were going to answer the question from Mary.
3: Okay, great. Thank you. So Mary called in and was talking about giving vaccinations in the hospital. Sometimes when patients are unaware of that, they're not necessarily listed as vaccinations. And I would just like to say that the first thing that alerted me to the problem with vaccines and vaccination policy was seeing my own patients vaccinated in the hospital with all sorts of Uh, potentially deadly diseases, while they were very acute in the first 24 hours of their presentation. And one of the reasons they do this is because there's an availability of patients. Patients are reservoirs for vaccines, okay? Hospitals get reimbursed um, uh, more when they vaccinate patients, and they have to go through long, detailed explanations as to why they're not vaccinating. Second of all, I want to point out that hospitals are the third leading cause of death uh, in this country, Medical error. Hundreds of thousands of people are needlessly dying every year in hospitals by appropriately prescribed medications and treatments. So people, if you think a hospital is a safe place to be, please look at your risk-benefit ratio. If you have an artery that's spurting blood, if you can't breathe, if you have organ failure, then a hospital might be for you. But otherwise, I advise you to avoid the hospital because not only are they reservoirs for disease just by virtue of who's in there, but the non specific effects of being in a hospital, which can include being vaccinated when you might not even know it, having a side effect, and the doctors not even knowing that that's what caused the problem. I was consulted on patient after patient who had acute kidney injury in the hospital after being vaccinated, and I was the only one that could figure it out, and nobody believed me. So please know that doctors are hypocrites in the sense that they are causing the third leading cause of death in this country. And then they will turn around and tell you that you have to take a vaccine. Yeah. Uh, so please look at the risk benefit ratio of going to a hospital all the time.
0: All right. Excellent. Good morning, Carla. Thanks for joining the program. Your name, please. How can we help you?
6: Hi, good morning, Jacobo. My good. name is Maria. Hi, Maria. Hi, Jacobus. I have to first thank you—a huge thank you—to the Jacobus from everyone who's behind you on this for speaking the truth and having the courage to have Doctor Suzanne Humphries and Polly Tommy on your radio show. That
0: oh, you're is very welcome.
6: Phenomenal, because it is refreshing. No one else is willing to do that kind of stuff, except for you. Thank you. Yes, no. Thank you very much, and thank you for watching the movie and telling people about it as well. And um, and telling about the VaxBus. So, I was calling today just to um, add a few a few things for people, and I know you were very thorough in your announcements about Vax. Um, for people who cannot make the event but do want to give a testimony, there is a way that they can record it remotely, and we can share it with the VaxBus, and they can edit it for their team. So. For anyone who cannot make the physical location on the 7th here in Bozeman, just email VaxMT at ProtonMail.com. That's V-A-X-X-E-D-M-T at ProtonMail.com. Or, if that was too complicated, just text 406-404-6330. And also, for everyone else who actually shared their story, um, which were... (laughs) I mean, I'm really, my heart is out to you for what you have gone through. Yeah. Thank you for being brave and calling to and sharing your story. It's very important that people hear it. It's also very, very important that you meet the VAX bus, if you can, and give your story testimonial with the VAX team, that they can put that online. Um, And us here locally, I'm a representative from Montana for Vaccine Choice. I just want you to know we're with you and... We really need to get together, and so that's another way to meet us is to show up the day off, get to know us, and we are going to be hitting those stories to the local legislature in the, in the near future. So those stories are important for many reasons. So I just kind of compel you to not just you know sit at home if you if you're not able to, but if you're not able to travel, also let us know, and we'll work with you on that as well. So um, I think that's most of the announcements. That I kind of wanted to cover uh, another huge thanks to everyone on the call. All right. And, yeah, thank you.
0: Thank can you, like Maria. That? You bet. Yeah, have a you. great weekend. <laughs> you too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Good morning, Carla. Thank you for joining today's program. What is your name and how can we help you?
8: My name is Debbie. And I, I Debbie. just wanted to put it out there that in California, it is mandatory for you to have your children vaccinated or they cannot be entered into school. Yes. So if anybody is looking to move to California and don't want the vaccination, you either put your children in a charter school, self-teach them, and I really wonder how they ever got this passed.
0: I think there are children camps for the summer that children want to join. They have to be vaccinated before they can be admitted.
8: Yes, yes. The public school system will not let any child in that is not vaccinated. Yeah. into the public school system. Yeah. And I, I had a question. Was I, I know that these vaccinations have been upgraded and so forth, but were the same things in them 40 years ago as what's in them now?
0: Who could answer that one?
8: Okay, I stopped just But um,
3: first, can I just uh, turn the mic over to Anu, because he wanted to say something about uh, submitting stories directly to us as well, that we do have um, an out, uh, I guess, a new talk.
10: (laughs) Hi, Jacobus.
3: Thanks,
10: um, Anu. Yeah, I just wanted to go back to the point of, um, you know, submitting stories. I, you know, we, we can get, you know, we can get the stories that people show up to the actual bus and record those stories. However, we're, you know, definitely sympathetic to the idea that, There are some people who just cannot show up because of the extenuating circumstances caused by vaccine injury. I mean, we've been places where people literally cannot leave their home. So um, for those people, what we've done is actually on our website, Vax.com, if you go to Vax.com, on the left-hand side, you will see a button that says Submit Your Story. And when you click on that button, a basically submission form pops up, where you can tell the story of your vaccine injury or the, uh, you know, injury of your child. Um, we really, really recommend people do this because it's going to be a collected uh, database that is what we're planning to do is actually deliver deliver it to our current administration, and it's an extremely important thing to do. Um, and in addition to that, what would really be great is even the people who record their video stories with us to go on there and submit their story in the textual format. So that's all I have to
0: say well that okay. is that is great, and I, I I wanna before we continue with the call, uh, yes, you go to vaxed dot com v a x x e d dot com at the home page you'll see click here for video stories by vaccine categories and below that it says submit your story and that's what Anu is mentioning at of this point, there are six thousand six hundred and thirty seven mm-hmm. vaccine injury stories submitted. And so this is an absolutely a growing number. It started with no stories, and now there are almost 7,000. So uh, that's great stuff. Dr. Suzanne. Okay. Um,
3: So the question was, are vaccines different than they were 40 years ago? And the answer is yes. Uh, You know, vaccine technology is constantly changing uh, the substrate or the type of cells that the microbes are grown on to make vaccines is changing the chemicals that are used uh, to keep mold and bacteria from growing are changing so it's an ever-changing process so the the short answer to that is yes and I really don't have time to get into each specific vaccine and how they have changed but very few of them if any are the same as they were 40 years ago okay
8: okay all right. I appreciate your answer. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Debbie. Uh, Dr. Suzanne, since I have you on, uh, since you are holding the microphone right now, can you explain to us the concept of herd immunity? H E R D.
3: Okay. I can do my best to be brief about it, but I'd also like to say that I have done a video um, on herd immunity that's on my YouTube channel that people can go and watch. It's about 90 minutes long, and that is about as cliff-noty as cliff notes can get. So in brief, no, I can't really describe to you herd immunity except to say that I don't paint all vaccines with the same brush, and we should not either because some of the vaccines, there's no way to get herd immunity. It wasn't even built into the blueprint program for the vaccine, like the toxoid-containing vaccines, like tetanus and diphtheria. Um, those basically do not stop the spread of the bacteria. They don't kill the bacteria. They just give you defense against the uh, toxins as they are produced, if they're produced in your body. So that's one problem. Um, The other issues we hear the most about include pertussis or whooping cough and measles, and that's what I covered more extensively in my herd immunity talk. Herd immunity is the concept where if all of us take our vaccines and we take our very healthy children to go and get vaccinated so that they don't get these diseases, then we're doing a good civil service by uh, protecting those that can't take vaccines. And I, first mm-hmm. of all, the science behind that is bogus. It doesn't necessarily pan out. Nowhere near 100%, as we saw in California, yeah. where 18% of people who had measles were vaccinated. And then there were some 49% who were vaccination status unknown, some of which, of course, would um, be vaccinated. Probably most of them were vaccinated. Yeah. So that's one problem um, with that uh, theory of herd immunity. Um, there are numerous problems with it, which I really don't have time to go into. But the, the theory that you're going to stop the disease by vaccinating is variably true, but it's certainly not 100%. And I think we need to seriously consider what we're injecting into healthy people because you're actually causing people to get other sorts of illnesses. So this idea came about while, while watching the natural progression of measles in a society before vaccines were even created, this idea of herd immunity. When it comes to pertussis, yeah. Um, the vaccine is an absolute stud. It might protect you for a few months to a few years, depending on your age. But the long and the short of it is that the vaccinated populations are the reservoir for mutant strains that are more virulent, causing deeper, harder to treat infections. Um, and that those that are vaccinated are the reservoir for spreading the disease, even when they're not infectious, even when they're not um, asymptomatic. And this I can stand in a court of law and defend this with medical paper after medical paper. This is not my theory. This comes from peer-reviewed medical literature. The scientists know this, and that's why they're looking to develop new vaccines for mumps, new vaccines for uh, measles and for pertussis, because they know of the huge problems that exist and that this herd immunity concept is a joke. Uh, They just keep raising the number of people needed to be immune in order to protect this uh, supposed herd. So, know that their theories are constantly changing, their vaccines are constantly changing, and that it's a false paradigm.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Now, a lot of news has been given to the new health care bill that uh, would replace and repeal Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act. Um, the sad thing is that it is all built on a Western medicine platform. There is no room, it seems, unless you get your own health savings account. There is no room for alternative medicine or integrative medicine, let's call it that way. Uh, It is only put together by people who have shown that they are part of a system that is responsible for the death of at least a quarter million people every year just in this country alone. And it is just really sad that including in this are the vaccines and they're trying to make things mandatory. And it is just a, 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 is just a, a lie that, that keeps on giving, so to say. Uh, people are being manipulated and they're, they're scared. doctor is still seen as a god. But there should be, we have this, I've I been telling on the radio show, we have this unbelievable opportunity to create a health care plan that is actually not a sick care plan, but an actual health care plan motivating people to become healthier, and to set an example for the rest of the world, what you can do, how you can help people in your country to become healthier, not to protect them, of to to to, to cover them for their own anxieties and fears, to to, to force them on a plan that uh, that doesn't do anything to to create health, but that actually is there, uh, that is very stagnant and it is very based on on unproven. Uh, methods and the ones that are proven have shown that they have killed quite a few people every year so what is your feeling about the the issue of vaccination in the proposed health care bill as we see it right now
3: well let me just talk more generally about that because it's my opinion as an, an experienced medical doctor with about over 20 years of experience yes in the system as a professor of medicine in tertiary care centers with intensive care units My opinion is that in order to be healthy, we don't necessarily need the system. What we need is the system to get out of us in order to be healthy. What I would like to see is more mothers being able to have natural childbirth without interference, leaving that cord alone. That's an incredibly predictive thing about how uh, stable and strong that child will be into the future, the the lifespan, the longevity, the ability to fight disease. I would want to see mothers being educated more thoroughly on the benefits of breast milk, what's in breast milk, what those chemicals are, the things that doctors actually don't know. I would want to see parents learning how to treat things at home like our parents and their parents did. And I think if we did that, we would see the need for the health care system go down precipitously. So I'm, no, I'm not looking at a, at a, at a, at a health uh, care system that we need to build up. I'm looking at one that we actually need to take down and minimize because we know how to live a healthy life, and we don't need that
0: system. Right, and majority of people don't really think about their health until they get sick, and then they want somebody to take care of them. And, for example, this whole program for the last 17 years has been all about showing you what you can do today. Starting today, uh, the amount of people I've talked to will say, well, I have an appointment with my doctor in two months. And I said, well, if you do any, something today, You may actually cancel the appointment in two months, but people are not thinking about it. They literally say we keep doing what we're doing, and then we just go to the doctor who has no time for me, but he's going to tell me what I need to do or what I need to take. And I think there is so much that we can do for ourselves on a day-to-day basis that would be inspirational to the people around us, that we are staying healthy, that we look good, that we take care of ourselves, Uh, that is just... We're being so distracted by so many other things that there is no time to think about to think about our own health and, and that is a sad thing and uh, the the way the system is set up when you have the senators and House members only talk about the medication 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 that it is cheaper in Canada that we have to get it cheaper that we have to talk to the insurance companies that we have to make insurance affordable for everybody it's It's totally what you say, Dr. Suzanne. That, uh, we need to get we need to get a system that promotes self care, not health care. Not sick yeah. care I should say. Yeah.
3: You know, the other thing is that, you know, there are well baby visits and there are well adult visits. And what happens on all those visits is that doctors who are deluded and blindfolded and miseducated are sitting there surveying you, looking for reasons to give you drugs, finding drugs to give you. So that, you know, it's another false paradigm, the whole cholesterol paradigm what causes high blood pressure, and that we need life, a lifetime of drugs and scans and tests as we get more deepening sicknesses, um, it, it's just another big problem. So the well-adult visit is just another trap to vaccinate you and find something to treat.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a caller. Good morning, caller. You probably will be the last one for today. What's your name? How can we help you?
3: Uh,
1: this is Mike Karen Bozeman. Hey, Mike. Uh, fine. Is this Jacobus? It is. Hey, I uh, just have a question here, yeah, in reference to your topic today, and it has to do with uh, MSU. I've, I have a daughter going to MSU here,
0: Montana fall, State University. I, yes,
1: yes, yeah. and I just received this letter that says she will not be allowed in there unless she completes some proof that she's had measles, mumps, and rubella shots.
0: Wow. Um, shot. wow.
1: Is there a is there a state law that demands this? Is this? I mean, I I'm not a fan of it. Never have been. It's a requirement in high school as well. Um, what what's the best approach
8: to this?
3: Okay, I, since we only have a few minutes, I'll, I'll address that. First of all, you have a resource here, Montanans for Vaccine Choice. But what I'd like to say about university is that. You need to call them up or go on the website and ask what their exemptions are. Most universities will have an exemption. Ask also if you can have titers drawn. That's a blood test where it will measure the antibody level. And even though antibody is a false marker for immunity, they're willing to accept that a lot of the time. So please find out if you can do that first. But what I'm finding is that there are exemptions, but they just won't volunteer that to you. You have to push find out what the university exemptions are but if you're unsure about your own state in montana montanans for vaccine choice please go there
0: excellent okay thank all you right.
3: Mike. very good i
1: appreciate that
0: yeah you're welcome all yeah. the best to you okay all right you bet. thank you all right uh that is probably going to be the last call uh we we have to go uh polly you're still with us yes i am <laughs> you have any closing words uh
2: yeah i mean not but let's just say this. look people out there listening right now I did not do my research I did not know I needed to do my research when I took my baby into the doctor but you do we've uncovered that look at this go to vax.com and look at listen to the parents look at the videos and make your mind up but please please be careful when you do your research make sure you go on to the right site. Make sure you please listen to the parents. The doctors will over and over and over again tell you the vaccines are safe and effective. They will come up with, do you want your child to die of cancer? Do you want your child to have a brain bleed? And when these things happen, you are on your own. You cannot sue these people. So please, please listen to the parents, the, the people of America, your brothers and sisters, and they will tell you the truth about vaccines. And then you're, you're clear to make your mind up yourself.
0: Well, that's wonderful. I, I really, really appreciate that all of you spend a couple hours with us here in Bozeman. I'm looking forward to meeting you all next week, Friday in Bozeman. And I wish you all the best on the rest of your tour.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank uh, you. You're so very
0: welcome. Okay, yes, wonderful. To,
1: yeah, Jacob, it
0: great. Oh, well, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you for actually putting the time in. You know, let's hope it will be a continued great success for all of you. So we'll see you next week. And folks, thanks for listening. We will be back next week, Saturday from 8 to 11.